Hello again, and welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Let's finish the last two passages for today. We're looking at Job chapter 21 and 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day of rest and help us to glorify you in the way that we rest, especially in your word and especially in dependence upon your promises given us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. So Job chapter 21. Then Job answered and said, Keep listening to my words, and let this be your comfort. Bear with me and I will speak. And after I have spoken, Malkan, as for me is my complaint against man. Why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled, and lay your hand over your mouth. When I remember, I am dismayed, and shuddering seizes my flesh. Why did a wicked live? reach old age and grow mighty in power their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes their houses are safe from fear and no rod of god is upon them their bull breeds without fail their cow calves and does not miscarry they send out their little boys like a flock and their children dance they sing to the tambourine and the lyre and rejoice to the sound of the pipe they spend their days in prosperity, and in peace they go down to Sheol. They say to God, Depart from us, we do not desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we get if we pray to him? Behold, is not their prosperity in their hand? The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How, far, how often is it that the lamp of the wicked is put out? that their calamity comes upon them, that God distributes pain in his anger, that they are like straw before the wind and like chaff that the storm carries away. You say, God stores up their iniquity for their children. Let him pay it out to them that they may know it. Let their own eyes see their destruction and let them drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what do they care for their houses after them? when the number of their months is cut off. Will any teach God knowledge, seeing that he judges those who are on high? One dies in his full vigor, being wholly at ease and secure, he pales, his pails full of milk, and the marrow of his bones moist. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. They lie down alike in the dust, and the worms cover them. Behold, I know your thoughts and your schemes to wrong me. For you say, Where is the house of the prince? Where is the tent in which the wicked lived? Have you not asked those who travel the roads, and do you not accept their testimony that the evil man is spared in the day of calamity, that he is rescued in the day of wrath, who declares his way to his face, and who repays him for what he has done? When he is carried to the grave, watch is kept over his tomb. The clods of the valley are sweet to him. All mankind follows after him, and those who go before him are innumerable. How then will you comfort me with empty nothings? There is nothing left of your answers but falsehood. Job has a point. Now Job has such a good point when he points to all the wicked that he sees in the world that 
isn't punished, as his friends imply. You know, they they don't die losing everything that they built up. They don't die being punished. They don't get the fruits of their of God's judgment. Actually, they get away with it. <laughs> and he's saying, you know, therefore your words are empty. They mean nothing. They're lies. And so he begins, and he says, "Let this be your comfort." You know, it's it's. I think it's ironic is as if your words are comforting to me. They're not. It'll let me comfort you with my words. And so bear with me. And after I've spoken, I know you have more to say. So mock on, carry on with your comfort. You know, it's my complaint against man. Why should I not be impatient? In other words, he's talking about something. That you know, from God's perspective, He should see as wrong. And look at me. You know what's happened to me. <laughs> you know, you should be going. This is just not right. You know, you will cover your mouth. You know,、uh, when I think I'm dismayed, and you know, my own flesh is shuddering and is shaking. And the question is this: The wicked, they live. They grow old. They grow in power more and more until they die. Their offspring are established in their presence. Their descendants before their eyes. They leave a legacy of their wickedness, of their prosperity, and it seems as if maybe they're even they're admired. You know the wicked.、Uh, their offspring. You know their houses are safe from fear. No rod of God is upon them. Yesterday we saw how you know、uh, the wicked are meant to be pierced and into his liver, and then oh, you know they're being punished. But no, there there's no such thing. You know their 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 estate. You know every their legacy, their companies, are all safe, you know, secure, and they themselves seem to be safe from God's judgment, God's rod, and everything they touch, you know, turns to gold. You know their bull, their cows, you know their stocks, <laughs> it's prospering, and their children, especially their children, whom again Job's friends say that you know your children died because you deserved it. You deserve this punishment, but he sees so many wicked people whose children just carry on. You know, they, they they're happy. You know, they have more and more kids, and they're dancing. They're they're enjoying themselves. You know, rich,、um, rich kids. <laughs> well, nothing against rich kids, but that the wicked who are evil. You know, their kids enjoy the fruits of their evil. So sing with the tambourine, with the lyre, rejoice to the sound of pipe. They go for music lessons. All right, you know they they're having they they go to discos. They're they're enjoying themselves. You know it's carefree. That's what it is. You know they get to enjoy again that prosperity, that fruits of that evil, that wickedness. They've done. They repress the poor. They they get and they pass it on. You they take this money, enjoy it, and they have a good time. And they spend their days in prosperity until they die. Until in peace they die and they go down to Sheol. And they say, you know, God get lost. You know, why? What? What profit is there to worship you, to pray to you? You know, it's in my hand, and I control the fate of my life. And so, you know, this seems to be typical of so much evil,、uh, so much of just the injustice that Job sees around him, and therefore his injustice, his personal experience, is all the more wrong. He is innocent. He hasn't done this wrong. He hasn't been wicked, and yet he is punished, and they go free. So there's there's an imbalance here. So he's saying to them, "You don't just look at me. Look at them. You know, don't you see the real world 
around you. And more of that, you know, how often is it that they're punished, that they're killed, their light is put out, that they, they suffer this disaster that Job has suffered, that God, you know, distributes his pain and his anger. Hmm. He says, you know, you've been saying this. So Job repeats their claims that God, you know, he, he, he's just waiting for the opportunity. He's storing up their sins and waiting for that opportunity to punishment. Uh, but he says, um, yeah, do it. You know, he's saying, you know, let him pay it out that they may understand it. You know, let, let their own eyes see their destruction. But the thing is, at the end of the day, you know, he dies and the poor man dies. You know, he dies and, you know, he, all he's known is just prosperity, prosperity. His pails are full of milk. <laughs> but the other person who doesn't have this prosperity, he also dies. And both of them just go to the same place. And so this is almost like a challenge to God. You know, he's saying to them, you know, you seem to be teaching God how to do his job. Will any teach God knowledge? Saying that actually it's God who causes these two people, the wicked and the innocent, the prospering person and the person who is poor, ending up in the same place, end up in the dust. You know, God allows this. Are you teaching God how to do his job? Because you seem to be implying that God should be doing this. He isn't doing this. Therefore, you seem to be knowing better than God. That's why it's a very dangerous thing that they're, they're trying to claim to know better than God. Behold, I know your thoughts. Job says, your schemes to wrong me. Therefore, you say, where is the house of the wicked, house of the prince? Where is the tent in which the wicked lived? He says, you know, show me, show me, you know, show me all this uh, unjust wickedness that's happening in the world. And he says, you don't have to look, ask me. You know, just ask anyone, the man on the street, those who travel in roads, those who live, those who... You know, just traveled, I guess, you know, travel the roads. You know, sometimes you just need to get out of your own comfort zone, get out of your own city, just look outside of your own home. And why don't you accept their testimony that the evil man is spared in the day of calamity, that he's rescued in the day of Ra, that there's this final judgment and he seems to get away with it. You know, uh, who declares his way to his face? Who repays him for what he's done? When he is carried to the grave, watch is kept over his tomb. <laughs> he's honored. You know, uh, uh, he, up until the point, even after the point that he dies, you know, someone watches over his grave. The clods of the valley are sweet to him. All mankind follows after him, and those who go after him are innumerable. People write books about him. He's in the history book. And he is honored, this evil person who's done evil. He isn't punished. But even after he dies, people still say, well, what a great guy. Innumerable people go after him. How then will you comfort me with empty nothings? There's nothing left in your answers. It's all lies. It's false. It does not make sense logically. And it brings no comfort. There's no comfort. And um, as tragic as Job's words are, they're real. You know, you just have to read the news. But it's also a wake-up call because here is someone who is suffering. But through his suffering, I think he sees the world for what it is. And the question to us is, do we need to get to this point to see the world as it is? To see the evil in this world? To cry out to God? Um, 
and not just presume upon our prosperity and therefore that we're we're okay but that to cry out to god and say you know why is this happening god please come please do something about this and pour out mercy on those who are suffering as a result of this pour out comfort on those like job who are questioning this not just condemn them condemn them and and dress it up as comfort or as wisdom or as friendship even but to say job i, I don't understand either this is this is just wrong we both worship a good and a powerful god and when we see the wrong therefore it seems all the more wrong to us not to dress it up again but maybe to grieve together with job with that friend of ours who is suffering alone at this moment because all his friends don't seem to understand what he's going through maybe we should be that friend who does at least uh grieve together with him rather than give him the all the answers cry together with him mourn together with him and to be a good friend to someone like job yeah i think uh, job is i think i saw an article um i didn't read it actually i saw in the gospel coalition um that says I think the title was Job teaches us how to be better friends. And if you just saw that article you think therefore we should learn how to socialize more, um fun activities, but really better friends just sometimes grieve with one another and join with one another in um asking those difficult questions and crying out to God and empathizing, you know, identifying one another rather than distancing from those who are suffering. you know coming closer together with them and being that kind of good friend. Okay, let's move on to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Hmm. Yeah, so Paul contrasts here knowledge not with foolishness, not like wisdom and foolishness, but knowledge and being known. Yeah, because he's talking about knowledge about God, you know, all the theology experts, you know, you know a lot about God, but do you love God? Are you loved by God and are you known by God because you know this kind of knowledge is why you know the this translation has these air quotes you know knowledge you know it puffs up it just makes you feel big you know go <laughs> puffs you up makes you feel proud about yourself oh, I I can explain what this theological term is and you're right you're right about that term about that knowledge but love is something even better than that it builds one another up it strengthens us especially in the knowledge of god in his grace in his goodness you know why why be proud of this when we should long for this love that will build one another up and so he goes on to explain about this knowledge and this love verse 4 therefore as to the eating of idols eating of food <laughs> offered to idols we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no god but one so he says we know we know we know this for although there may be so called gods in heaven or on earth and indeed there are many gods and many lords yet for us there is one god 
the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge. For some, through former associations with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do eat it, and we are no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge, again, this knowledge, he sees you have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. This question about you know, eating food offered to idols you know, back home, this is a real, real issue. You know, I grew up, uh, especially in my grandma's place, you know, they had all these altars, one in the kitchen and one in the front hall. Well, it's not really a hall. They live in a shop, a shop house. So in the front of the shop, there was one little god by the entrance. And actually two, one by the entrance and another one uh, inside the hall. And then in the kitchen as well. Maybe there were even more. But at each one of these altars, they would always, always have pieces of food. You know, cakes sometimes. And especially during uh, Lunar New Year celebrations, they would have um, really tasty food. And after that, and this really freaked me out, they would take that food and then we will eat it together. <laughs> and so this was a really, really troubling thing to me, actually. You know, I, I felt this when I became a Christian. I thought, you know, what about that kind of eating? You know, can we eat that kind of food? And um, on the one hand, Paul says, we know this. We know that there is only one God. You know, idols, everything that you see in all the statues, um, there is no other God but the one God who created everything including the food, who created us and created the food, you know, for from whom are all things, for whom we exist, we exist for God. And Jesus Christ, it's through him, he is the agent of creation. Through him, through him, through him are all things, through him we exist. There's only one God. And everything else, all these idols, it's a reassurance, you know, we know this, they're not. But despite what we know, you know, it's still a challenge, especially for those who are weak because they have this former association. Do you notice that? You know, people like me, you know, people who even today are exposed to this as almost a way of life. You know, they see, you know, these offerings that are made to idols. And sometimes you see this um, even here in the UK in like restaurants and you see them. And, you know, the way that their brain works because they've seen this again and again, they think that they're actually offering this food to an idol. And therefore, their conscience kind of like defiles them. You know, if they were to eat this, if they were to even sometimes see this. And therefore, Paul is saying, just understand that not everyone can deal with it the way that you are dealing with it because they've 
been struggling with this maybe for a long time, they still struggle with it now, and therefore be loving towards them. Not just show off your knowledge and tell them this bit of theology. Many of us are very keen to tell them, oh, there's nothing, you know, it should not be a problem. Because it's not a problem for us, therefore it should not be a problem for you. Why don't you be smart and wise and knowledgeable like us? But you know, the idea of that conscience, it's just so loving to be, you know, considerate about that, about someone else other than you, about their knowledge and not just yours, their conscience and not just your freedom. And, you know, on the one hand, you know, food doesn't make any difference, verse 8. Food will not commend us to God. <laughs> we are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. So on the one hand, um, it's, you know, this is just food. But sometimes you might want to show off that you can't eat this food. Ha ha ha, I do food, let me eat it. He says, this showing off doesn't commend you to God. That's what he's saying. You know, your display of this kind of, you know, if you eat it, you know, it's, it's just food. It doesn't score you bonus points <laughs> for especially buying this kind of food. We're no better off. And if we don't eat it, you know, we don't lose anything. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block for the weak. You know, it doesn't trip them up. And not just trip them up, this idea of the stumbling block is just so serious because it works against their conscience. And he gives the scenario. If anyone sees you who have this knowledge, you know, eating in an idol's temple, and then he gets encouraged, he says, you know, to do the same thing. But for him, you know, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. But never mind, Calvin, I saw him doing that. That's why I'll do that. And, you know, by your knowledge, he is destroyed. This brother for whom Christ died. You know, Christ gave his life for him. And now because of you, <laughs> his life that's so precious before God, is like crushed. And it could be talking about just how his conscience crushes him. It just makes him spiral down in this guilt trip that he is struggling with God. Or it could mean that he is judged because he's acted against his good conscience. What he thinks is wrong, he does it wrong. And therefore for him, it is sin. That's what Paul says in Romans. Thus, use it. No, sinning against your brothers, you sin against them because you wound their conscience when it's weak. You sin against Christ. And so here Paul is saying, you're not just doing this wrong against them, you're doing this wrong against Jesus. It's really serious. And so Paul then ends with his own take on this situation, on this scenario. If food makes my brother stumble, I'll, I'll just never eat meat again <laughs> for the sake of my brother so that I don't stumble him. And here is that principle of, you know, um, not the, you know, not, not just doing what everyone else is doing, just not just doing what you think, oh, I have the right to do this, but looking around you, especially at your brothers and sisters, and just being as loving and considerate towards them by saying, what can I do that would be loving for them, that would lift them up and build them up? Because that is love speaking. That is Christ speaking, you know, in that consideration and love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I gave the example of uh, food and idols, and this is a real thing. You know, this is a real struggle back home in Asia. And, you know, together with this kind of like consideration, you know, in order to love them as well, we want to reassure them that there is one God. You know, they have been freed 
from this idolatry, this kind of practice, and to help them to deal with this, help them gain that confidence and reassurance that God is God of all. You know, every everything else are seemingly competitor gods. They don't exist. They're man-made gods. But you know, other examples exist. You know, things like drinking. You know, drinking alcohol. You know, those who struggle with that, and especially you know, so Christians. You know, should you be drinking? And you know, just being sensitive with that. Um, what else is there? You know, the things that you uh, talk about. You know, actually, you know, stuff like Harry Potter, and, and and no one watches the Twilight series, but I know in the past that was a big deal as well. You know, things that you watch in movies, that kind of thing, that can trip people up. Um, sometimes, uh, what else? What else is there? And we're not talking about things that are overtly sinful, but things that you know have baggage. And you know, for the sake of uh, the people around you, and this will differ according to your context. You know, I go to a Chinese church, and you know, people are traditional in certain senses. They're just used to things being done a certain way, and it takes time. You know, don't be in a hurry to kind of change things, but you should be in a hurry to love people, to try to understand where they're coming from, and don't be unnecessarily provocative. I guess that's what I'm saying. That's kind of rich coming from me because I know that uh, I do. Um, I do sometimes. I, I am I am a really brash person, so I am you know I think this passage speaks to me personally. You know I think uh, this kind of passages are wake up calls to me just to be a bit more patient, a bit more considerate towards others, and um, just to understand how might some of the freedoms that I have, some of the knowledge that I have, might be offensive unnecessarily so towards my brothers and sisters in Christ, and you know. To do my very best to love them by maybe not taking full advantage of these freedoms, um, but uh, maybe building them up, and that's the idea of love. Love is not just deference, but you you want to build them up. You want to strengthen them in Christ, so that at the end of the day, their confidence is not shaken, but it's strengthened in the knowledge that Jesus is Lord. He has paid for our salvation. He has bought us with His blood. And that God is God, you know, He's our Father, and He is the only God. He is the only person to whom we are accountable. And so let's worship Him together. Let's come to Him together. Let's be encouraged together in Him together. Okay, so that's uh, all of today's passages. Um, yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for brothers and sisters who have loved us in this way, who are stronger than us, but they lift us up. Uh, they lift us up in our weakness with their love, not just with their knowledge. And help us, Lord, Lord, to have that same kind of love that Jesus had. Though he was strong, he became weak for our sakes. He took our infirmities, our weakness upon himself. And he lifts us up in his love. He lifts us up in his strength. Help us to do this. Just to be able to see this, to see among us our weaker brothers and sisters so that we might love them, we might encourage them and build them up in the love of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.